Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Goodbye, University. Yay, we're here for another call. Thank you for joining Janice Whiting from Listed Spirit and myself for another GVU call. Today, we're going to talk about spirit animals. And um, after we have our little chat on spirit animals, um, we're going to open the forum up for questions on anything. Um, When Janice and I got on the phone the other day, it seemed like maybe there might be some questions that people wanted to ask that necessarily might not have to do with spirit animals. And so we're cool with that. But for anyone that wants to hear the recording later and really does want to hear about spirit animals, we thought we'd talk a little bit about them. Um, Jeanette and I did a call on spirit animals, I think, a couple of years ago, but I thought it would be fun to um, revisit. And, um, oh, Jeanette and Guillaume are just joined us. Yay, hi. So um, the other day, Janice had posted on Facebook a thing about spirit animals, and so I texted her and I said, you know, aren't there so many more spirit animals? And so we started talking about the Native Americans and how they had mastered shape-shifting. And I said to myself, well, how about I challenge myself and see if I could, you know, try shape-shifting. And I thought, if I can, then let's do a call for GBU. So she told me to set an intention and mm-hmm. ask one of our star friends. So I did. And that, that night, I kind of, it was interesting, I kind of, felt myself kind of shifting and felt kind of like a panther. And um, I actually have a spirit animal named Jade, so I think she was helping me. Um, that's all I did. That's all that happened. And then I, I texted Janice the next day, and she says, yeah, I think you did it. So I set an intention again for the next night, and I was awakened, and then I could see some panthers. And I wasn't a panther lair. And I started counting because I was awake. So I started counting, and I got up to like 12 panthers. And then they started moving, and it was almost like I was in a little movie, and I was following them, and then that, then that was that. And then the next night, I saw some prints, but that was, that was that's my extent of my, um, <laughs> my shape-shifting. Then a um, couple days later, I went to an antique store with a friend of mine, which isn't a thing that I do. Um, she wanted to go, and I thought I'd just go with her to hang out. And um, we were in the store, and I was kind of walking around, and I saw these little animal figurines kind of tucked away in the corner. And I thought, wow, these are really gorgeous. And I didn't know what they were, but they were very expensive. Um, And I felt like as I was um, walking away, it was like I was in a crystal store because I kind of heard heard them talking. And I was like, hmm, this is kind of odd. And I kind of circled around, and I looked at them again, and then I asked the lady what they were, and they go, oh, that's some guy's collection. And I said, okay. So she said, if you'd like some, maybe, um, and I counted, there were like 50 of them. And she says, if you'd like some of them, maybe we could keep them to the side, you know, for you. And so I kind of picked about maybe 10 or so, and I put them on the table, and I said, okay. And the woman at the store said, well, maybe we can talk to the owner, and maybe we can bargain, and maybe you can, you know, get back to us. Well, it was interesting because that night, this little frog kind of appeared in my dreams and it kept on insist. It was like the fairies that kept on insisting to talk to me 
and it kept bothering me and it was it was like it was interesting because they wouldn't leave me alone and I kept thinking about them I thought oh my gosh I'm gonna have to go get them and so I took a picture of them and I showed them to um, Candy and she's like do you know what those are? She goes, those are fetishes. And I'm like, what's a fetish? And so she showed me, she goes, those are spirit animals. That's why you can hear them. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. So I looked them up and they were from a Native American, probably around here or something, and somebody had given up their collection. So, of course, I go back to the store and I tell the woman, I said, okay, look, I think I need them all. I have to have them all. So she's like, okay. So it turned out it was going to be about $1,000 to rescue all of them. And I couldn't just leave some of them, you know, behind. So I ended up, so Candy and I ended up getting them together. And I have them all in my office. And let me tell you, they are, they are amazing and they're very magical. So what are spirit animals? Let's see what Stephen Farmer says. So Stephen Farmer says, the intimate connection we have with the animal kingdom shows itself in different ways. Even in congested urban settings, the birds in the trees sing away, the pigeons gather around the man on the park feeding them, and the squirrels scamper about doing squirrel business. Taking a walk in the forest, we might see rabbits starting through a bush, a quick glimpse of a deer before it charges away, or wild turkeys scratching for grubs, dogs, cats, goldfish, and hamsters are some of the more common domesticated animals that compel us to remember this relationship. Um, they also are spirits that are in the form that teach us, guide us, empower us, and help us heal. These are our animal spirit guides or spirit animals. And in other cultures, they're called totem animals or power animals. <clears throat> the other thing is that not just, you know, the Native American spirit animals, but one thing that I learned is our own pets are also our spirit animals. And so one of, um, as you know, my yellow lab had transitioned, and she is definitely one of my spirit guides. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and she had said, animals like people are awakening to what is going here on Earth, as well as awakening in consciousness more and more. Animals are very sensitive to energy, human energy and energy of the Earth. There are more animals and humans choosing to transition at this time for many reasons. Some of them are simply complete on our Earth school. Others are, might be frustrated with what's going on here, and they want to help more from the other side because they know they can create more change from there and help more people at one time. And some just feel they don't want to be on this earthly energy anymore, so they're going for someplace better. But, again, they... For us on Earth, the best thing we can do is bless them on their way and trust that they will help us and support us and assist us on the other side, and they will, because your animals love you so much, and they are here to bring you healing and help and absorb and transmute any negative energy. They do this because they want to, because they love you, not because they have to. Animals want to help us. They bring us joy. They bring us love. They enhance our connection to nature and the divine. So we love and cherish them while they are with us as much as we can. We take good care of them because they will take good care of us. Um, and then Janice and I were talking about, you know, not just our animals, but we also have magical, you know, spirit animals too, such as the unicorns and the dragons. So the unicorns are from an ascended star called Lacoma, which is near Sirius, and they present themselves in meditations or dreams. They're also part of the angelic family. They are assisted with the fairies. They work with archangels. They um, have a very, very high vibration and a very high frequency. They have an active third eye, which they are all knowing and seeing. They hope 
They give us hope. They inspire us. They awaken. They enlighten. They nurture and they protect. All we have to do is call on them, and they will come just like angels do. Um, the horn is a energy conduit that's filled with light and love and enlightenment and spiritual power and insight and healing and wisdom. Sometimes the horn is golden, and so that's an even more evolved horn, which can channel energy. Uh, they often appear in trying times, and they want to help us evolve as we navigate through life. We can meditate with them. You can just close your eyes and imagine that horn touching your own third eye. Um, they work with the archangels because of they're so pure, and they can help us attain to what our soul's journey is, you know, what we're on. Um, when we want a sense of well-being, we can call them in with the angels, and they will work with us. Um, they help us with abundance. Um, they help us with, you know, anything we want to manifest. Um, a couple years ago, we had done a channeling with the unicorns, and this is what, what they said. They said, you have opened up not only your mind but your hearts to who and why you, they have returned. There's no more confining to what we believe because love and understanding is without conditions, and this is how we shift and grow. Now there will be room for expression, for freedom, and you will all begin to really see. So don't limit us by limiting yourself. Just open up, and we are here to help you. Those are the unicorns. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. One more. We've got the dragons here. And then I've got this great example to close out, you know, my little little thing on that, spirit animals. But um, as far as dragons, you know, of course, dragons also are spirit animals, and they are here to help us as well. And the dragon's message is dragons are now, as humanity reaches an elevated level of consciousness, increasing our dealings with those on the path of light. We are offering knowledge, wisdom, and secrets to those light workers who are ready to transcend through the new dawn as shining beacons of bright light. For a long time, we have been waiting for this day to come back so we could return to our rightful roles with the kingdom of Earth. We are a species who live in many realms and on many planets within your galaxy. Our gift to humans is to work for the light, to bring knowledge and wisdom that has been lying dormant within your brain structures while protecting you as you change your energy frequencies. As you lighten, you will find the denser energies most humans live within the earth that are harder to handle. We, the dragons, offer you wisdom on how to cope with this and also healing by clearing your energy fields of any negativity that is affecting your bright light. We offer to you transformation of your soul, love, and longevity at this time. Dragon energy is an energy of alchemy, magic, and intrigue. When you meditate to connect with dragon energy in your meditations, focus on your third eye and we will show you visions, a clear path through any pain and turmoil in your life, as well as information on your soul's own unique journey. Dragons are allies for you in times of need. We will help you ascend above the drama of the situation in order for you to have clear perspective of the best path to move along ahead. We are wise creatures who have witnessed the changes occurring on the earth plane for millennia. However, unlike our popular facade, we are not vicious or unkind. We are transformers of magical energy, and we work for the light. May you be blessed when you engage with the dragon kingdom, and may your life be ma magically enhanced. I love that. Wow. So, so, wow. Uh, <laughs> so one of um, there's a, a young girl. She's 13, and she's been working with me, um, you know, during Reiki and stuff. And the one amazing thing that, that um, happened to her 
is that she received four spirit animals. She received a fox, a dragon, a tiger, and a lion. Now, here's the thing that was just amazing. She has been bullied in school for the last two years. I mean, to the, to the, you know, to the extent where her mother was trying to get her into another school, but she didn't pass the math test or something. She's, and so this is the amazing thing. So this school year, which just started, she took her spirit animals with her. She was literally telling me she's walking down the hall and she's got a fox with her. She could see this fox, which is freaking amazing. And she said she has not been bullied since. And she has, she just brings her um, spirit animals with her to school. So I just thought that was just amazing because, you know, they can help, they can help children, they can help us. And all we do, all we do is ask and they're there. So I love this story of um, this girl who's bringing her spirit animals to high school with her. With that, That's beautiful. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, I'm going to open it up to Janice to see what Janice wants to share on spirit animals, and then we'll open it up to questions. Hello, everyone. So I'll tell you about my first conversation with spirit about the totems, that they said uh, mythical creatures were the first totem animals, and they were actually alive on that world at that time. And at one time, they were alive on this world, um, but they're still alive on other worlds. And I do remember Spirit saying we could choose our totems. Um, I do remember they were talking about the, the Native American tribes, how each tribe, each tribe had its own separate totem, and then each tribe member had their totem and they used their totems on their ornate elaborate clothing. Mm -hmm. It was also saying that pets today are what they call the guardian of our souls and they are our living totems today as well as our the animals that pass. They are our deceased guardians and mm -hmm. Until they, they're allowed to, if they are loved and our family members are allowed to recycle back to Earth to then to be a living totem. All humans, they said, have some type of animal guide. So I think our soul has some type of little imprinted animal guide that just automatically whether we choose it or it's assigned to us. So in meditations, you can um, see your guides. I think it's a lovely idea that all humans tune into their animal totem, and you can do this in meditation or guided mm -hmm. imagery CD um, because it's a very valid part of our life, our, guide, our spirit guides. I remember a meditation that I did years ago, and I was sitting on a blanket in in sort of a little valley on, on top of a mountain, and the blanket was on the grass, and I was sitting in the middle of it. And in the middle of my meditation, a panther walked up from on my right and came and sat next to me on the blanket, and then on my left, a lion walked up, a female lion walked up, 
both were females, interestingly, and sat up and sat on the blanket to my left. And we just sat in stillness like that, like we belonged together for a long time. It was a long, sweet, still meditation. But when I do my astral traveling, I always see a crow. And so whenever mm. I watch the movies where the crows are very a part of the movie where they are either a totem of a family or some or a totem of a situation even you can have a totem of a situation that um it seems to be represented in the movies a lot in crows but as i was telling ming years ago in my last marriage i was connected to the native american tribe of the Scallons up in Washington, which is actually right next to where Ming lives. And I would get to go to the powwows. And I that's when the first day noticed that they used their personal totems on their elaborate outfits so that they bring in the energy of that animal. Even for the dancing, they actually feel like they're that animal. And um, so we, and as they do their sweat lodges and do their shape-shifting, they say that they usually transform into the animal that's their totem. So that was a lovely experience to be able to be that connected to the Native American tribe. And I know they think that if you don't have an animal in your home and you do know what your totem is, that it's a great idea to have a figure or a fetish or something of mm -hmm. that animal in your home. They think it just solidifies having that in concreteness of our earth feel is like it solidifies it in your life. That's mm. all I know at the moment. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Love that, Janice. So I think it is a good idea that each person who wants to really get in touch with their totem use a guided imagery CD if you're not that masterful of your own personal meditation. And luckily, there's guided imagery CDs for every agenda nowadays. But I truly love them for spiritual purposes to connect with all types mm. of spiritual guides. But um, animal guides are very prominent in our life. And in, in a spirit heather way, all humans would have an animal living in their home to be the guardian of their home. And, you'll, and they love them in the home on the bed or near the bed. So as they watch you when you're sleeping, to be the guardian of your soul. Mm. That's beautiful. So, so I almost have a petting zoo at my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. I was Any talking to a friend last night, and she was telling me that there's always a bear around her and that whenever she goes anywhere, there is always some kind of bear. And I was telling her, wow, your spirit animal is a bear. I have a bear as well that shows up from time to time. And I was just reading how... Bears teach us how to be balanced, no matter what life throws at us. And they're also very wise and protective. And um, they show up 
whenever we're in a difficult situation. So And they have um, personal power and they're mm-hmm. very awake. I get theirs often too and I know they're not they don't feel like my personal totem, but um they do show up a lot in my meditations. The bears, swans and and but the lion and the panther visiting me on the blanket was we just sat there so still and connected like we were one. And we can have past lives as animals, and certainly then the essence of that soul is still our active guardian. Mm-hmm. So Dana's typed in chat that she said she was giggling because she realized her last boyfriend had images and statues of tigers all over their home. And they're not there, but she said her first animal guide that showed up this year was a tiger. So she's saying maybe he was trying to get my attention earlier, huh? Real. I think that um, if I were to decide to get a tattoo, that I would probably choose one of my totems because it really makes it so connected and personal. It is energetically in place in your body. So that would be a lovely tattoo. <laughs> is that what you meant by when you said imprint? I think the imprint is definitely if you've been an animal in your last life. I think probably whenever you be, then become consciously aware of your totem, it is then imprinted. But I think a tattoo uh, would be a lovely imprint also. Awesome. Ah, so Dana said his name is Leo. And oh, she said, okay. hey, that's a lion's name. And he said, no, my name is Leo. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Any other questions on totem? Maybe the question will even more bring to mind what Spirit and I have chatted about. Well, I I use Jamie Sands a lot. And you guys you can't hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. No, yeah. I use Jamie Sams a lot in the book that I want. And I cannot remember my one in the south. But um, another one, an animal that came to me a lot was the great blue heron. So Mm -hmm. I use that, and I use that in my business a lot. Number one, a very famous mentor name is heron. Number two, the heron stands above the muck and still receives nourishment. So she's like mm. receiving from the divine. So I, I'm getting chills just telling you about this. Um, so I've used totems a long time, and I, ab- I absolutely love them, and I love when Abraham says, pay attention to nature. Mm. Yeah. I love I love that you yeah. use them in your life because 
because they are to be used just like regular spiritual guides. You could call one in depending on the task that you're doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like like wolves are great in relationships because they're very committed and dedicated and partner for life as a few other animals are. So, um, so that's a lovely thing. And I would probably call in a stork if I was trying for a pregnancy. So yes, we can use Ooh, them just like just like I use regular guides for um, manifesting many other things. Wow, that's a great idea. I know a woman who's trying to get pregnant right now. Hmm. I'll have to call a, a, a stork to me. <laughs> <laughs> Something big enough that. for her hand. I loved the story about the young girl being protected mm-hmm. in school. That that was fantastic. And Do you right? want to know yeah. what? Spirit's jumping in and saying something now, so I'll just pass on to you quickly what they're saying. I know on Earth many people are not fond of animal furs, but Spirit says they were sent to Earth, many of them, to sacrifice for us. They talk about how Christ wore a fur coat. So I think that in the most spiritual way, that it's lovely, they say, to wrap yourself in, in the fur and the energy of the animal, their yeah. contribution, their leather. Some people wear a necklace with a um, crow claw or something that you can. Spirit feels it is fabulous and okay as you bless what's sacrificed for it and that you enjoy the offerings of these sacrifices. And so so somebody who loves foxes as they wear a lovely fox coat spirit thinks it is lovely. Humans struggle with that, but many humans struggle with many things. But <laughs> yeah. they, think, yeah. they think you could wear, if you were a snake, say you were the zodiac snake as I am, yeah. that I could have a lovely snake belt. Because to me, it also means I'm touched by that sacrifice. I love to use it and wear it. And so I am not against fur. Based on my conversations with spirit that they tell me if it was if it was okay for Christ, it's okay for us. It's, I realize it's not what you do, it's how you do it. So mm-hmm. um so I agree. If, so if somebody offered someone a lovely fox coat or they or the energy of it and it wearing to keep you warm and it and has many symbols to it that um I think that's lovely, but each human can ponder that and decide, but I think it's lovely. I agree. So now you know what spirit thinks. <laughs> and they think it's lovely. Oh. I can feel it. Anyone else have any other questions, comments? So they're jumping in again and saying is you can enjoy many aspects of Earth that 
as long as you honor and respect its life, I'm sure just like the Native Americans did. They wore lots of furs and leathers and they were they honored and respected the sacrifice. And they think it's strange that we don't enjoy that today. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, Brent's asking, what would be a good way to attune to your animal spirit or seek additional aid? I would say notice what's showing up. And conscious intention. Mm -hmm. You can intend them to be your partners on earth. Right. I know for me, they they tend to just show up for me. Um, different. I've had many different spirit animals show up. For instance, a few years ago when I was um, in a lot of contrast, I had a hawk show up. And this hawk showed up outside my office window and literally for two years straight this hawk just followed me everywhere and i had pictures of this hawk just sitting there and it was such a great comfort to me so they they show up in 3d they show up in meditation as well so um when i moved from california to washington as i was leaving california i looked up in the sky and i saw thousands of hawks it was as if they were you know, sending me off. It was so incredibly moving and just moved me to tears. And every now and then up here, I see a hawk, you know, saying hello or or eagle. So, but back in those days, those hawks were just keep, they kept reminding me not to look at what was in front of me, but to trust, you know, that what, because hawks can see beyond and see into spiritual realms. And every time I saw a hawk, it would just remind me just to trust. So I think, you know, and like like Janice said, it's just intention and just asking and trusting that they'll show up. Like just for this high school girl, you know, she had four spirit animals just show up for her. Yeah, that's great. And being aware, like she was saying, being aware of what you see around you. I see probably the biggest tool is consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's what the dragons and the uh, unicorns um, message was all about consciousness and how we're up-leveling in consciousness. And so they're here to help us, you know, on our journey. And I think it's lovely to wear jewelry with the animal representation. Spirits always yeah. talk to me about how they love symbolism. And so wearing mm -hmm. jewelry and clothes and just like the Native Americans do. Right. I'm going to have to check out that uh, tribe, Janice, near my house. <laughs> a lovely, lovely tribe. It's not one of the largest, and I think it's split up into some small reservations, but one of the boundaries of, one of the reservation is right next to Puyallup, which was mm. my favorite little town to visit, though I like the reservation too. Mhm. Mm and all the totem poles, you know, and I grew up I grew up in Washington and it's like I I saw mm -hmm. those totem poles everywhere and I I never really understood what they were and now thinking about them it's just mm -hmm. like oh wow. You know. And each one is a different story and my um 
son-in-law is a famous uh, Native American artist that does totems for whether it be pictures on your wall, the wall, and um, or, and totem poles. He's quite famous. His name is Jeffrey Verigi. So if you get a chance to look up his creations, they're fabulous. And yes, he. At last, I knew he lived on the reservation too. Hmm. Cool. Well, nice. Maybe it's a short call. If anybody has any other questions or comments, this was fun, though. I love spirit animals. I do too. <laughs> Me too. I do too. I do too. And I can't. Yeah. I'm just having trouble with my web and my phone. <laughs> I need I need somebody who's a big receiver. Maybe whale. Whale would be a good one to be a receiver right now. Mm -hmm. um, I would just like to suggest something. Um, this is Tom. Hey, the Tom. idea. Hi. Mm -hmm. I like this discussion. Hi. Thank you. Um, I I think I said at a previous um, call a couple months ago about spirit animals that um, you know there was I've worked with a shaman for four years um, who worked with he was uh, trained in the Pueblo Indian tradition and the Mayan tradition. He was a shaman in in Guatemala for fifteen years. And um, just sort of the picture I've gotten about our relationship to the animals and to all of nature, actually, all the plants and everything, is that there's, it's very um, – what he teaches is that it's a whole lot deeper than we think. <laughs> Basically mm -hmm. that, you know, like kind of the new age, um, you know, Jamie Sam's kind of thing is – I mean, it's not just entirely new age. She pulls from a lot of traditions, of course. And But I think um, the point that that I got from working with him was that if you don't live with these animals and you don't grow up with them and interact with these plants and animals as part of your life and your life is simple enough to have them there consistently that it's hard. He was sort of pointing out, it's hard to understand our relationship to the earth uh, as how profound it actually is. And, mm -hmm. um, and you know, this is a whole thing like he, he spent an entire four-hour class one time just on bear, you know, and just how bear is, uh, you know, he believes, I mean, a lot of Native Americans believe that the bear dreams, dreams the spring back alive. It's the, without the bear, we wouldn't have spring um, in mm -hmm. the Northern Hemisphere and things like that, you know, like, our, you know, that these animals are more than we think they are. They are mm -hmm. actually um, existing in the same realm as, as we know, like fairies and these other things that in this, demonic reality in these parallel universes they are operating on profound levels and of course that, that's why we call them these totems obviously and why we have these relationships where they show up in our dreams and things um but it made me i guess i i have a homesickness or a longing you know to to be more connected um you know, like but i don't know how that happens in the modern world um and mm -hmm. it just seems like it it takes one of these um teachers of making our connection with the natural world says you go pick a place in nature where you're going to spend 
hours and hours and hours and hours, like, like go to the same spot or two spots maybe, and you sit in those spots for as long as you can on different occasions, you know, and, but make it a regular thing. And then just immerse yourself in the knowing of that place and of all the creatures that come and come there to teach you um, more and more to relax into the, into the rhythm of the earth, you know, into the internal heartbeat of, of this great mother, you know, um, you know, people who do plant medicine, everything from peyote to ayahuasca to everything, you know, they, they, those plants take you into that realm of, um, just how profound it is to, you know, everything from birth to death and beyond is shown to you over time or maybe in one, one, one instance, but it's, it's a pretty profound world. Um, he, he took us into the, the myths of Europe, ancient Europe, that our ancient ancestors, a lot of our ancient ancestors, you know, um, he shows us the progression through myths over thousands of years, hundreds and hundreds of years of how the myths depict our slow withdrawal from nature, our slow moving away, moving away, moving away of the European peoples and how we lost touch with what our real relationship was to the plants and to the animals and to the rocks and the trees and the water and the air. You know, we had we had this really, really profound relationship. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like I really want to have a, a great deference and openness to ask spirit, you know, to ask all those spirits to, he said, to ask them to adopt you, you know, that, that mm. if you, if you allow a chicken to be killed so that you can eat it, ask it, you know, dear mother, please adopt me as I eat this food, you know, before you eat that food, you know, you acknowledge that chicken, the chicken gave its life out of total joy and out of total beauty. It had no, nothing mm-hmm. to do with sacrifice. It had only to do with love. And, and he said, you know, just, understand that all of the earth is giving everything out of that level of love, but that there's a reciprocal relationship that takes an incredible amount of reverence and respect on our part to keep that reciprocal relationship alive or to bring it back alive. You know, that, that indigenous part of us does remember that we were once Mm -hmm. um, connected to this beautiful um, way that the earth was created and, and, and like I said in that previous call, you know, everything we have from our cars to our lamps to our tables, everything comes from the earth. And it and it's all given from that incredible place of abundance and beauty. And um, so I don't know, I, I just I just try to call upon myself to do whatever I can to remember. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it's going to take for modern people to to remember, but. Um, I guess and that's being do. conscious. That's what we were, mm-hmm. you were saying. We were saying about being conscious that yeah. um, that be conscious to bless, be conscious to thank, to be conscious to be aware, to be conscious to intend. Um, yeah. I realize it's just being conscious. Almost yes. many many things. Almost everything in the house really originated. In nature, you know everything mm-hmm. from the crystals, like you were saying, and the wood, and and the plastic, and every, and every single chemical that's been made to make all the modern compounds—they're all and the cotton, yeah, yeah, cotton, right? Yeah, I was taught hey, this Tom? way. To, yeah. Hey Tom, I used to own land in Lyons, Colorado, and mm-hmm. Eagle Ridge. 
and we saw mountain lion and bear there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was such an honor. I could not believe it. It was breathtaking. Yeah. It was very honoring. I mean, it was a blessing. Yeah, they're seen all the time here in here in Boulder. Yeah, they come down into the city sometimes, often. Yeah, which is sad. Which is sad. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have it. We had it also in California. The mountain lions will literally come into the city and eat the deer because people feed the deer on their porches. Yeah. And then the mountain lions come, and then. And then the people try to protect the mountain lions, but oftentimes they get got by the agency. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's um it's a tough line um line line uh, to work uh, to have. I feel for them that their space is so getting diminished. Um, it really touches me deeply. Yeah, that's the real impact of this conversation to me is is what what do we want going forward? If we're if we're conscious creators, how do we want to imagine our relationship to the earth? You know, I mean, because on the if we sort of just go with the general trend of everything, we're we're ter- trending more toward electronics and electricity than we are towards rocks and and mountain lions. You know, we're we're trending more towards this ethereal world of of um, you know cosmic energy and and it doesn't you know it's like i i wonder what this planet you know what we are to do with the fact of how magnificently it was created to be this wonderful reciprocal relationship you know like this shaman depicts the he goes back in mythology to depict the time that nature let humans have seeds you know when we finally you know like there was this bond this bond sacred bond made between humans that they could have seeds so that they could begin to domesticate crops and but then it was understood way back then, if you look at the myths of several thousand years ago, that we had a sacred relationship to those seeds and a sacred way to treat them because before then everything came, you know, just from nature. We didn't take and and plant these seeds like that. And and so there's this there's all this mystery and beauty around the whole thing that I feel like it can just be lost in the modern world uh, with the focus so, you know, if, if some of us put our focus back onto the sacredness of these things and we pray to them in our heart of hearts, maybe we will, um, you know, be part of that remembrance, that, that great remembering of our indigenosity. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a good, maybe that's a good thing, but, you know, I, I don't know what Abraham would say about that. You know, like, like, well, that doesn't matter at all. I mean, I, I, I'm concerned about that because I have a creative piece called Sacred Archaeology, and I wanted to make it more referring to the way Abraham talked. And I even rebought a book, a deep ecology book. There was a time when man, I'm going to use the word man, when they dug into the earth for the first metals, they prayed. And. Huh? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So this, yeah. this shaman you know, taught that the, the energy that goes into make, making one piece of cutlery, for example, is something that, that for thousands of years no human would cross that line because they have to take so much from the earth in terms of energy and heat and light and, and all these things, the fire, um, 
you know, that's why the, the myth of Prometheus and so many things when the fire finally came was such a huge devastating thing on the face of the earth because that's when man began to really cross this line into this vast amount of taking. And before that, the general, the gentle relationship we had with the earth didn't allow for us to even make metal objects, you know. And I don't yeah. know, you know, what what would Abraham say about that? I mean, to me, it's like, really? I mean, I I totally understood what he was talking about. But it, but now I don't know, um, you know, like we take so much and we take so much every day. And yet we don't give back in a certain way. We just we just don't even have it built into our culture to give back. Um, even before we eat our food, you know, how many of us really understand all that is being given to us in that every plate of food we eat? Um, I don't know. I agree. I absolutely agree. There has got to be a reverential way to handle history. Uh, well, that, or, reminds I don't me, that reminds yeah. me of what Spirit has said, that it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And do they mind us using what's on this earth? As long as we're like breathing in and breathing out, you're giving back as well as you're receiving. So they do love that we enjoy this earth i remember mm-hmm. a conversation i had with spirit that many humans thought they could drain this earth dry and spirit said that's impossible because mm-hmm. magical and tenders will always have more oil more metals more this and more that it's impossible to dry up the earth because of the elements of magic but they said it's not what you do it's how you do it like breathing in and breathing out and if you're going to take then you give. Hmm. Amen. Yep. And I love living in these western states, especially like Washington, Oregon, um, Utah, that so a small amount of the state is really a city. I mean, so so much of it is land that... um, we really get to enjoy the land here. But what I realized from that is I could not live in a city, a big city that was just stores, apartments, concrete, and people because it would make me ill. It would give me claustrophobia because I need the trees and the lakes and the um, and to see the animals. And so, again, they, would, they don't mind a state have cities and nature. They realize we've evolved enough that it's not going to be all nature, even though Utah is a lot of nature. And um, and that's one of the things I love of Utah because the nature has such a great energy. But they're aware that Earth has a lot of people on it and we have become civilized. And they think it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And that can be done in a respectful, uh, reciprocity, contributive way. But I myself could not just live, be in a big city where you're always surrounded with buildings, concrete, and people. Mm. Mm. I need oh, nature. That's your your. You're privileged to to do that. Um, I mean, that's a privilege in itself to be out in nature. Um, so, uh, uh, um, lots, I'm not in that situation now, but I have a lot of very wonderful things around me. 
and people and beings and uh, nature. And organic food. <laughs> organic food where I can bring to my chickens. Nice. Yeah. I think, Jan- Jeanette, where you live now, it probably feels fabulous. <laughs> I think Jeanette's dreaming the call. Oh, she says yes <laughs> in chat room. It does. Okay. <laughs> She said yes. So, um, Janice, Dana said she wants to share a story. Hi, Dana. Hi. Well, I, I'm just loving this because um, a couple of things. One, I have a good slug of Native American in my veins, which is really cool, some Cherokee from my grandmother. And mm. so I only I only realized uh, that after I was so moved by the drumming at a powwow in Hawaii uh, that I was just crying and almost uncontrollably with the uh, the sound of the drum circle and but the story I want to tell you is about the opportunity that I had to live on an island in Hawaii I lived on the big island almost nine years and a couple of things just keep coming up to me one is um, you know once you live they say lucky to live Hawaii once you live Hawaii you learn if you've been cityfied like I was as a little girl uh, you learn to love the magic and um, nature in a way that opens you up. And I think this is available to everyone, no matter where you live. It is a conscious choice to connect with nature and the animals of our planet. Um, but what I learned in Hawaii, there are a few interesting things that happened there. One is when I moved there, I learned the word haole. And that was mm-hmm. basically the visitors, the visitors like me who wanted to live here that the Hawaiians weren't particularly happy about. And I came to learn yeah. from them that Howley meant without breath in the most rude way of saying it. And it's interesting, the breathing in and the breathing out. It was really about consciousness. And what they found was so many of these, quote, white men that came to the island and were telling them, You know, you have to wear a shirt, woman. You can't walk around with your breasts hanging out. And men, you have to put on something more than a a grass skirt. And there were all these rules that had nothing to do with being conscious or appreciating nature or the connection to nature and so forth. So, you know, the white man got a bad rap. So what I learned while living there, so many things was – how they honor everything. I mean, before you go into the ocean in Hawaii, once you live there long enough, you have to bless the water before you swim. Mm-hmm. There are many sacred paths you can take there, and there's, there's an altar for you to leave a gift. Whatever you have. It could be an Oreo cookie. It doesn't matter. It's the intention. It's the consciousness, right? It's being awake. It's being aware that you're in this sacred place, and you should be so grateful for everything. Of course, they do the same thing with their food. They pray over the food. I went there. My kids were in a lifeguard class, and the lifeguards prayed. I mean, these guys had dreadlocks. They were brown and bronzed and tattoos head to toe, and they made all the kids hold hands and pray to ask Mm. all that is to bless the food they were eating. They take nothing for granted. It was so sacred. And then the other part of it, and again, this is all of what we can still do today, But the other part that was so beautiful, I attended this powwow in Waimea. I had been to one in Washington State. But this one was on the 
the north end of the Big Island, and um, the Indians came, and they made an announcement. They said, only in Hawaii do we let the people from the island join us in the circle because your hearts are open and your awareness is there and you live like we do. And I just thought, wow, that is something else, right? I want to be a part of that. I mean, that was within the first six months of me arriving. And so that just really woke me up quite a bit to living in that magical place where everything is connected. And um, I I know that it's really a sacred place to dance in the circle. They have these, I don't know which dance it is, but there's a particular dance that the Indians do. And only the Indians get to dance. They don't invite the public in on the powwows on this particular dance. And, well, in Hawaii, they did. I was like, wow, this is cool. They, they got some things that they know about here, and I need to pay attention. So I would just encourage everybody. I mean, this is definitely a choice, like Janice says. I agree. It's, be, it's noticing, having the awareness, paying attention, and then not just noticing it, but relishing it, like when the hummingbirds come to me. I mean, I don't take that for granted for one second. What are you telling me today? What's your message? Or the lizard that crawls across my patio, you know? Hello, little lizard. What is it that you want to speak to me today? There's magic in all of that. But we get so busy, we forget, right? Well, I, I had to train myself with that consciousness. I trained to myself yeah. to always look for the spiritual meaning. But yes. I, I grew on a, a, up on an island in Wisconsin, and oh. there wasn't many on the island. And what you were just telling me is we can create that magic. I'm sure spirit wanted it that way so I wasn't in a big city and too caught up in human stuff. They liked that privateness where we had to entertain ourselves swimming in the lake around the island. Or in the winter, we scooped off the snow and ice skated on it. So we had to learn to be creative ourselves and we got our food from the island and mm-hmm. and I I think I realize now that was a gift just like you yeah. were going to Hawaii was a gift the gift of um, being present and mastering your own magic and we weren't mm-hmm. really too caught up in acquisition mm-hmm. simple little things we would have fun climbing trees, being one with nature, and we and we fished and ate fish. So it was. I know the magic can be done anywhere. I think the challenge might be to do it as you're mm-hmm. caught up in a high rise in maybe New York or somewhere. But then you make your home, your magical land with flowers and trees and crystals and ceremony and blessing. Mm-hmm. I've heard spirit forever say, "Bless your butt off." Mm-hmm. Blessing does my, magic. My home is always a temple. Love it. Yep. Well, thank you, Dana. That was, that was wonderful. You're welcome. It's fun to, fun to remember and be reminded. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me today. Mm-hmm. Well, we're almost at the top of the hour. Does anybody else have any other comments or questions? This was fun. Thank you, Tom, too, for sharing, and Nancy as well. Yes. 
Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all. Thank you all. It was fun. And and deep. Deep. <laughs> it is. It's simply fabulous. <laughs> simply deep. Simple. Simple. The hardest trick is being a conscious rememberer or creator to remind to be conscious. Well, thank you, Janice, for joining me again. We will be back next month on a new topic. And if anybody has any, um, you know, ideas on what you'd like to talk about, send me a message. And we're always looking for ideas, too. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you all. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.